Listen, today we are beginning a, a brand new series of thoughts. Let's just pray um, and invite God's Spirit to just be in charge of these moments that are coming up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to communicate your word to your people today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just add to what is spoken in the natural so that there would be supernatural results in the hearts and the minds and the lives of people today. Father, thank you that your promise is that your word never returns void, but is always accomplishing what it's been sent to do. So Father, I thank you that you were in the preparation, but you're in this moment. And Holy Spirit, may we just have ears to hear what you are speaking to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Excellent. If I was to ask you this morning what your favorite song is, there would probably be a whole multitude of different responses in this place. Some of you would go in the direction of, I know, rock music. Some of you would go in the direction of soul. Some of you would like a, a, a love power ballad. Any fans out there of love power ballads? We'd all have different tastes because that's the beauty of being a multicultural, multi-generational church. But another reason why I believe we'd have different answers is not just because we have different tastes in music, but because music has a way of conjuring up emotion within us, right? You know what it's like when you're driving along and all of a sudden a tune comes on the radio and it automatically transports you back to a moment in time. Maybe a moment you want to remember, maybe a moment you want to forget. But there's a tune that comes on and you just automatically remember. For example, if I was to say... A song by Status Quo, rock, quo, rocking all over the world. Some of you this morning would be like, what are you going on about? Check it out, great tune. For others of you, you would remember in the late 70s, early 80s when it came out and you were there and it first came out and you remember it hitting the charts. For others of you, maybe you recall, I don't know, mid-90s. And you went to festivals and they were playing that song and it conjures up emotions of long summer days and great memories in your life. For me, it reminds me of 2007, the year that Kirsty and I got married and our wedding day. Because this was the agreement that Kirsty and I had. She could choose the music coming into the church. And so she chose a beautiful classical piece, Gabriel's oboe. And there was a cello playing. It was a beautiful moment as the bride walks down the aisle. I got to choose the music we went out to. And so I chose status quo, rocking all over the world. <laughs> which had no romantic connotation or anything. It was just, I like the song. And it's upbeat. And so that's what we left the church to. But music has a way of transporting us to a moment or creating memories. Now, if you grew up, and some of you are, are new to church, but if you grew up in kids' church, or as it used to be known, Sunday school. How many people went to Sunday school? Yeah, this newfangled land, kids' church. Sunday school. Then when you were there, so often you were taught songs that the whole aim of those songs were to bring you to remembrance of something that was scriptural. And so you would have songs, and you still have songs today, they sing them out there about the fruit of the Spirit. And you would have all these songs that would cause you to remember all the different aspects of a part of the fruit of the Spirit. You would have songs about different verses that when you sang them, you sing them today, and it still recalls back to your memory those verses. You may not have a clue where it is in the Bible, but you remember those things that were sung. You know, blessed be the name of the Lord, the righteous run into it and they are saved. The name of the Lord is Strong Tower. Anyone remember that one? Okay, Golden Oldie. Now, 
For many people, when they were in that kids' church Sunday school, we would sing songs, they, again, they still do today, about the armor of God. And so as we start, we're beginning a brand new series all about the armor of God. And you as an adult, maybe cast your mind back to songs that you sang in Sunday school or kids' church, and you would be able to label all the different parts of the armor of God. You say, oh yeah, there's this, and there's this, and there's that. But the question we're really going to be looking at over this series is not can you label the parts of the armor of God, but do you wear the armor of God and do you use it? Now again, if you're brand new to church, you may be thinking, what on earth are you going about? God's got a suit of armor, well, how does that apply to me? And again, throughout this series, we're going to be looking at those thoughts and answering some of those questions. So we're beginning this series today, we're going to be in it until uh, mid-July when we have our, our One Family Conference on the Saturday and quick plug if you haven't yet booked in for that make sure that you do all of the congregations of family church coming together at Horndean Tech College on Saturday the 15th and then on the Sunday there's no service here but we're going to be having a picnic over at Staunton Country Park at 12 o'clock so the aim of this series as we journey through it is twofold number one we want to deepen our knowledge and our understanding of God's word but every time somebody stands up here it's for the equipping of the saints we should know and understand scripture better as a result of sitting under the teaching of God's word we don't believe in just teaching um, just you know modern day life transformation about trying to make your life we believe in teaching the word of God amen so it makes a difference and brings a harvest in people's lives and so anytime we're sat under teaching we should understand the word of God more but we don't want to leave it there because if all that happens by the end of this series is you're able to label the parts of the armor of God then that's not really going to make a scrap of difference to your life, right? Other than if you randomly happen to find yourself in some biblical quiz team, it's not going to make a scrap of difference to your life. So we don't just want you to gain understanding in this series. We want you to actually apply this into your life. So that not only do you have greater understanding, but you're effectively using what God has gifted us with so that we can live the life God has called us to live. So if you've got your Bible with you, turn it to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to be in this not only for the majority of today, but the majority of the next few weeks. So these are great verses, not only to read this morning, but in your own study. Just continue to allow God to keep speaking um, to you. And my aim this morning is I'm going to introduce you to the armor of God. For many people, remind you of aspects of the armor of God. And then over the next few weeks, beginning uh, with Mark next week, we're going to be looking deeper at these different aspects of the armor of God but more importantly how do we use them and how do we apply them so there's going to be a lot of terms that are familiar to us the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit but again we're going to be asking the question are we daily using these things in our lives or is it just a concept that remains in Ephesians chapter 6 so let me just as we head there just set a bit of background to these verses that we're going to be studying because many of you know the book of Ephesians is not actually a book, it's a letter that the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus that he had founded. And he's in this moment under Roman imprisonment, he's been in jail for two years and throughout that time he writes four letters that we today know as epistles, four letters that are preserved for us in the New Testament, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. So when you read them and you think, what on earth are they? They are letters that were written to those churches. Now think about this. Paul's been living for two years under Roman guard, and every day he's seeing the Roman armor. He's seeing the army in this suit of armor and all these different things. And at one point or another, 
as he's thinking about the spiritual battle that we face as believers, this Holy Spirit-inspired analogy comes to his mind. And he begins to understand that just as Roman soldiers have been given natural armor to fight natural wars, so we too, as spiritual people, have been equipped with spiritual armor to fight the spiritual battles that we find ourselves in. And I love the imagery that Paul uses here because in Ephesians chapter 6, he uses each piece of the Roman armor and then he, by revelation, gives it a correlating thought as to what we have been given in a spiritual sense. So he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but no doubt he's also inspired by the Word of God because he would have known the Old Testament scriptures. And in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17, it speaks of God wearing such armor. And he would have known this verse. It says, For he, the Lord, put on righteousness like a coat of armor and salvation like a helmet on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and covered himself with zeal and great love for his people as a cloak. So inspired by the word of God, inspired by the spirit of God, Paul begins to write this analogy in this letter to the church in Ephesus that we today still have preserved for us thousands of years on so that in the year 2023 we know how to fight our spiritual battles, what to wear when we come against great difficulty. And so Ephesians chapter 6, we're beginning at verse 10 and we're going to read a bit and pause and read a bit and pause. So it says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So Paul's been writing this letter to the church in Ephesus and the way that he finishes off his letter, his final word is essentially all about this. It's reminding the believers in Ephesus of the devil's opposition and urging them to protect themselves with God's armor. Now notice he says, be strong in the Lord. In other words, don't try and be strong in your own ability. Don't try and defeat the enemy's schemes with your own willpower or your intellect or your thoughts or what you can do and your feelings and your emotions. He says, be strong in the Lord. Remember the series that we've just literally stepped out of. It's not by might nor by human power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. So he says, your strength is to be found in your God. Habakkuk 3.19 tells us the sovereign Lord is our strength. And so I want to say right from the start today, if you are in the midst of a battle right now, if there are things that you are finding difficult, if you feel like you're just under attack left, right and center and there's situations that you cannot see how it's going to change, be strong, not in your own strength, but be strong in the Lord. Amen. Verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. A few things I want to just point out here. Paul says, put on God's armor. In other words, there's something that we have to do. This is a choice that we have to take. God clothes us with righteousness, but when it comes to the armor of God, we have to make the choice. I'm going to wear and put on God's armor in this moment. Now, every single morning... You wake up, you have your breakfast, whatever order it is, you brush your teeth, and then you, you get dressed for the day ahead, right? You're all wearing clothes this morning, we thank you for that today. But you never turn up to work in your underwear, at least I hope you don't. You'll get arrested, stop doing that. You get dressed every day for the day ahead. But here's the question, do you get dressed spiritually? Or do you just step into your day? Is it like midday before you think, oh yeah, I'm a believer, I should probably pray to God. 
Do we step into the, the spiritual battle that we're going to face prepared and spiritually dressed for the day? Or are we just naturally dressed but spiritually undressed in that moment? Paul says, put on all of God's armor. Now here's a greater thought, rather than just every morning putting it on, sleep in it. Because the reality is, I don't know whether it's true for you, but some of the greatest bombardments on my mind take place in the depths of night. That if the enemy's going to come and attack you, if there's going to be seeds of fear and worry and anxiety, if there's going to be just stuff upon your life, it, it won't so often come in a day, it may well do, but very often it will come in the depths of night where you play stuff over in your mind. So instead of just wearing it in the morning, why not just stay continually dressed in God's armour? So instead of playing out those fears and anxieties in the night, you know how to respond spiritually to the fear that the enemy is throwing your way. Put on all of God's armor, a complete suit of armor. God wants us to wear it all and use it all. And we're going to explain all of that over the coming weeks. And when you do all of that, it says you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Now, I want you to note that word, stand, stand. If you've got a Bible with you and you're reading Ephesians chapter 6, get a pen and underline that. Circle it. Can I write in my Bible, Pastor? Yes, you're allowed to write in your Bible. It's good for you when you go back. Okay, Don't write on your iPhone if you're reading it from your iPhone. It probably won't work too well. But highlight that because I want us to know as we go throughout the series that we have been called to stand, stand, that we're called, yes, to take ground in some instances. Yes, some of this weaponry is offensive, such as the sword of the spirit and praying in the spirit. But the weapons are on the whole defensive weapons. We're to stand firm in the ground that Jesus has already purchased and won for us. In fact, that, that word or that phrase, stand firm, in the original language, it's this word histame, which actually meant hold your ground. So when we're in a battle, he says, hold your ground, stand firm. Now, some of you will know a really great book by a guy called Watchman Nee, which was called Sit, Walk, Stand. If you've never read it, I'd really encourage you. It's only about this big. It's almost like a little pamphlet, but so much depth within it. And he talks about these three positions within the book of Ephesians. Sit, walk, stand. But the Bible says that we have been called to sit in heavenly places, and we are seated in Christ. Amen? Now, not physically, obviously, you're sat here this morning, but spiritually, you are sat in the heavenly realms. Listen to this, Ephesians 2, 6 to 7. It says, And God raised us up together with Christ when we believed, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places, because we are in Christ Jesus. And he did this so that in the ages to come, he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus by providing for our redemption. So our position spiritually is that we are seated in Christ in the heavenly realm. Why does that matter? Because every day that you wake up, you are victorious. Every day that you wake up, you are seated in the heavenly realm. In other words, you are looking down upon your problems, looking down upon the situations that are bombarding you. You have spiritual authority over all those difficulties and anxieties. You have authority over them in Christ. They are not over you, overwhelming you. It's so important that we understand we have been seated in Christ. But then, throughout the book of Ephesians, Paul also points out that not only should we be seated in Christ, 
but we're to walk out this new life really he's given us. Ephesians 4 verse 1, just laying this foundation this morning. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Ephesians 5 verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice of God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Ephesians 5 verse 8, For you were once in darkness, but you are now the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we are seated in Christ. We've been called to walk out this new life that he has for us. And then here we have in Ephesians 6, Paul is saying, Stand. Stand your ground when the enemy comes against you. Now, why do we have to? Where are we in this moment? Verse 12 sets the scene for us. But Paul says we are fighting a war. Every day we are fighting a spiritual war. And and the, the war and the battle is not against, I don't know, your neighbor. It's not against your work colleague. It's not against your family member. It's not against your spouse. It's not against anybody at all. It's a spiritual battle. Listen to what he says. It's not a natural fight. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We have a spiritual enemy. That the enemy, the devil, is real, right? And we're not to obsess over him. We're to obsess over Jesus because Jesus has won the victory on our behalf. But we are to live aware of him and his schemes. That's why Peter in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 tells us to be alert and sober-minded as to his intentions. For every day there is a spiritual battle raging all around you and your family and your workplace and your finances and so on and so on. And Satan and his host of demons have one single aim, to obliterate the children of God. He wants to steal, kill and destroy everything that is godly in your life. And he will stop nothing now as I said we shouldn't obsess over it we should never live in fear of it but we are to live aware and I'm saying this because sometimes when we are so obsessed with the cares of this world our jobs that we go to how we're going to pay our mortgage payments the state of our garden in this heat how we're going to get the grass to grow oh have we done the shopping have we done this have we done that all these things that are not wrong that they're just natural things that are part of our everyday life but sometimes we become so earthly minded that we forget the severity of the battle that is raging all around us in a spiritual sense now that can sound a bit full-on but there is hope and Paul has the answer in verse 13 he gives the call to arms if you like he says therefore Put on every piece of God's armour. Notice he makes that point again. Every piece of the armour of God. So that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle you will still be standing firm. In verse 14 onwards he begins to explore and describe the pieces of armour. And in the coming weeks we're going to look at each part of this in further detail. But let's just read it this morning. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour. Most translations say the breastplate of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up a shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all the believers 
everywhere. Okay, so in the coming weeks, we're going to begin to look at those things in greater details. But here's just some quick things that I want you to know as we begin this series and as we step into a new week. Here's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Number one is this. We're to live as spiritual people on a day-to-day basis. As we talk about Ephesians chapter 6, it can seem so obscure, all this stuff about the spiritual realm, all this stuff about evil powers, all this stuff about the armor of God. How does that actually affect my life Monday to Friday here in Haven and the wider community? How, how does that affect this? It can seem such a, an obscure thing that's just left in Ephesians chapter 6. It can feel out of touch, but actually being a spiritual person is so vital and it's not just for Sundays, Okay. Now, I I know that's an obvious thing to say, but it's incredible how spiritually minded we can be on a Sunday morning and how earthly minded we can be on a Monday to Saturday. And so when stuff comes against you and when stuff comes against your family and when stuff comes against your workplace, whatever it might be, if we only view things in the natural, we will end up overwhelmed. If we only view things in the natural we will end up in a place where all joy is taken from our life. If we only view stuff in the natural and not realize that we are in a spiritual experience, we will be confused by some of the stuff that we're coming up against when actually some of the things you are facing right now may be a whole lot more spiritual than you first thought. Now don't mishear me. I'm not, I'm not one of these Christians, and you know this by now, who sees the devil in everything. Okay? Sometimes you speak to Christians and they're like, oh, it was the devil. It was the devil. Like everything is the devil's fault, right? No, it's not. Sometimes it's us. If you're texting and driving at the same time and you hit a lamppost, guess what? That wasn't the devil. That was stupidity. If you're in a place where seriously, where your incoming doesn't match your outgoings financially month after month after month and you're getting into greater levels of debt... That's not necessarily a spiritual attack. We can label these things, but sometimes that's just about wisdom and budget and getting support around you. Sometimes those things that we face, we label them as, oh, it was the devil. Oh, it was the spiritual attack. When actually they're just natural things. But at the very same time, sometimes we see all the waves around us and we feel overwhelmed instead of actually realizing, no, this is spiritual. This is a spiritual attack upon my life. This is something that the enemy is trying to take me out with. And in that moment, we've got to realize I have the authority to speak to the wind and the waves and say, stop. I'm not defeated in this moment. I have everything that I need for life and godliness. So we need to understand that we have the armor of God that enables us to stand firm when the waves are hitting our lives. Live as a spiritual being having an earthly experience, not the other way around. Now, Being spiritual doesn't mean you have to be weird. Again, I need to clarify this because sometimes you talk about spiritual and people equal that to be, I have to be weird. No, you can be spiritual and not weird. Isn't that good news this morning? (laughs) We can be spiritual and not weird. It just means that you respond with spiritual weapons instead of natural ones. It means you go to prayer instead of running to your horoscope. That's the reality. It means you run towards truth and you stand firm in truth instead of running towards panic and chaos in your mind and in your life. We're to respond as spiritual people on a day-to-day basis. Here's some good news this morning as we do that. You have been equipped with everything you need for the spiritual battle. 
So we're talking Ephesians chapter 6, which actually has a bearing on your life on a day-to-day basis. And the truth is, you lack nothing. Right? Sometimes you'll feel overwhelmed. Sometimes you feel, I can't go on. But actually, I want to say to you, don't let your current circumstances or your feelings or your emotions override that truth that spiritually you lack nothing. You have the full armor of God. You have been positioned in Christ. Earlier in this letter, Ephesians 1 verse 3, it says that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You have all that you need. Is that good news this morning? Now let me, let me just share with you some of the things you have in Christ. In Christ, you are a new creation. You are justified and you are sanctified. You are forgiven. You are free. You are holy. You are victorious. You are more than a conqueror. You are dead to sin. You are free from condemnation. You have peace with God. You have a peace that the world cannot give to you, nor can it take away from you, because it's only found in the person of Jesus Christ. You have his joy. You have his mind. You have been reconciled to him. You are a child of God. You've been brought near to God. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are complete. Do we believe that this morning? Am I speaking to Christians this morning? This is good news. We could go on and on. But the devil's plan, his only strategy that he's left with is to keep you in ignorance or cause you to forget that. That's all he's got. That's all he can use to keep you in ignorance of who you now are so that he can push you back and retake the ground that Jesus has purchased for you. That's why Paul says, stand Firm. Listen, don't let the devil fool you. The Bible says he's a liar. The Bible says that he's the father of all lies. Jesus said, and in one translation it says, when he speaks a lie, he speaks his native language. In other words, his mother tongue is the lie. You are equipped with everything you need for this spiritual battle. And here's the greatest news. Here's the encouragement I want to leave you with. Helen, you can come up and then we're going to pray in just a moment. Here's what I want to say to you as we close. Live each day knowing you are already victorious. We've got to live each day as the children of God, knowing we are already victorious. Our role is to enforce the victory Jesus has already won. Now, as I said earlier, we don't need to live in fear of him because the power of a devil is no match for the power of our God. Amen. But here's what else we need to realize, that we're also not to waste time And so many Christians do this, living in a state of striving to win a victory that's already been won. It's so important we get this as we begin to talk about the armor of God over the next few weeks. Don't waste your Christian life trying and striving to win a victory that you have already won. Every day we need to live in this knowledge. We are victorious and the enemy has been defeated. And it's our responsibility to keep him defeated. Because listen, he cannot win a battle that he has already lost. Sometimes when we talk Ephesians chapter 6, people think, oh, we're in a battle with with, with the devil. No, he's already defeated. He tries to come at us with a lie, but he's already defeated. And God has given us everything we need in this spiritual battle to enforce that victory and remind him, you have been defeated. Because listen, when the final whistle is blown on a game... Whoever is losing has lost. There's no rematch, right? At the end of the FA Cup final yesterday, for those who watched it, when the final whistle was blown, it was over. 
When a football match, when you're there and the final whistle is blown, it's over. When you're at a basketball game, hockey game, whatever sport you want to use as an analogy this morning, when the final whistle is blown, the scoreline is settled and there's a victor and there is a defeated foe. Amen. When Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead three days later, God in heaven blew the final whistle and said it is over and the enemy has been defeated because Jesus has risen from the dead victorious and he has defeated sin and he has defeated death and Satan has lost. And the only thing he can do now is to cause you to forget the fact that you are victorious to get you to doubt that you are already victorious I've already made the point he is the father of lies and he'll come at you with lies I'll look at you in church you're not worthy look at you raising your hands you're not you're not worthy Satan you are defeated and the Bible says that we are holy and blameless before our God without a single fault that's truth you need to succumb to this addiction. I'm keeping you in this secret sin that no one else knows. You need to succumb to this. Now the enemy needs to know he's defeated because scripture tells us for whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But we need to walk in that truth. You need to be angry. You need to hurt people. You need to worry about this or that. He'll come with a lie in order to try and push you back from a place of victory that's why we have to stand firm that's why Paul reminded us elsewhere in his letter to the church in Rome Romans 8 verse 37 that we are more than conquerors we are already victorious and sometimes we won't feel like it right but our feelings are just a signpost to something they're not necessarily truth we can rely upon God's word is truth that we can stand firm upon in any given moment. So here's what I want to encourage you as we step into this new week. Whatever you're facing right now in your life, rest in the place of victory. Rest. Stop striving to win a battle that you've already won. Rest in that place of victory. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that your circumstances will change overnight. It doesn't mean that, oh, that was a great message. I'm going to go home and tomorrow morning, Monday morning, it's a new day and everything's different. No, tomorrow morning may look exactly the same on the outside. Maybe nothing will change in your workplace, in that relationship, in your financial situation just yet. Maybe it's going to be the case that on the outside, things look exactly the same tomorrow morning as they did this morning. But something internally would have changed where you say, I'm not going to allow this circumstance to cause me to put my shield down and to put away my sword. I'm going to stand on the truth of God's word. What it does mean is you're going to refuse to take a step back and say, okay, devil, walk all over me. Walk all over my family, walk all over my children, walk all over my health, walk all over my life, walk all over these different situations. It means tomorrow morning we wake up and we say, my hope is not in myself, my strength and my hope is in Jesus, but I'm not going to allow a devil to cause me to doubt the victory that he has won for me. I am standing my ground. We got any people who are saying, I'm standing my ground. I am immovable because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So let me read this scripture one more time, knowing and declaring this morning that the enemy is the one who's going to have to back down, not us. Ephesians 6 verse 13. 
Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands, you will stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. I want to encourage you, that's from the Amplified. Read that tomorrow morning as you step into your day and know that that is truth. I am fully prepared. I am immovable. I am victorious, not in my own strength, but in the strength and the victory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's just close our eyes and let's just pray in this moment. I want to pray for every single one of you this morning, whether you feel like you're in a battle or not. Because the reality of life says that if you're not in one right now, you will be in the future. That's not me being pessimistic. That's just the reality of life and the declaration of what Jesus said, that in this world you will face trial. So I want to pray for you. And all I want to do is remind you of the truth of the fact that you're victorious in Christ today. And I pray that situations will change on the outside, but even until they do, that you would walk with an assurance of a victory that you have in Him. Heavenly Father, we make the decision this morning. But every day, not only will we get dressed naturally, we want to get dressed spiritually. And as we get dressed spiritually, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you will remind us of this word. That no matter what waves are coming against our lives right now, no matter what difficulties we may be in, no matter what circumstances feels like it's overwhelming us. And Father, we're not these Christians who deny the reality of what's going on. We know it for what it is, that these things are taking place all around us. Father, help us to separate out what is just natural wisdom that needs changing and what is spiritual against us. And as we do, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have equipped us ahead of time for the battles that we are in. But help us to know, Heavenly Father, that we've already won the victory. In you, we've already won the victory. That tomorrow morning we're not facing another battle thinking, will I win? We're just enforcing the victory that you've already won on our behalf, Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you that we will stand in truth. And when circumstances come against us and when things try to overwhelm us, that we would know that we are victorious and not that it would just be in our mind, but it would be in our heart. It would be on our lips. But Father, you would change the course of our speaking this week, that we know that there is death and, and life in the power of a tongue and so Father we just ask that you help us this week we pray that we would stop speaking negatively over every situation that we would not just keep agreeing with the enemy and say oh this will never change and this is just how it is and this is just how it's going to be for the rest of my life but we would stand firm in the truth and say Satan you are a liar and the final whistle has blown and you are defeated and Father we will see things turn around but until then We thank you for the victory that we have in you. Just keep your eyes closed. If you're here today and you have never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you once did, but you wandered away from him, then we just want to, as we wrap up the service, give you an important moment to make the most important decision of your life. But maybe you're here today and you say, oh, well, I don't know too much about this because I've never begun a relationship with Jesus. And that's what it is. It's not, we're not offering you religion today. We're offering you a relationship with a living God who made you exactly for that, for relationship. 
And the Bible talks about how sin got in the way of that. But because God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins, in a simple form today, you can begin a journey. And there's going to be loads to discover. You're not going to understand everything overnight. But today it's an opportunity to say, I I want to give God my life. And I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. So if that's you, then we want to give you that opportunity today. Maybe you were once walking with God, but you've wandered away from Him. And today you're making your comeback and saying, Heavenly Father, I want a relationship with you. And as you do, you'll experience joy. You'll experience His peace. You'll just, life will radically change before your eyes. Trust me. So if that's you this morning, and you say, yes, Include me in this. I'm making a decision. Would you just do something really brave this morning? I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out or call you forward. But if that's you and you say, I want to begin a relationship with God today, would you just nice and high, just lift your hand this morning. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else, say, that's me. I, I want to begin a relationship with God this morning. Just in these closing moments. Praise God. Father, I just thank you for this decision this morning. Father, I thank you that you flood his life with hope and joy and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Father, I thank you that this is the beginning of the greatest days of his life. Father, thank you that as he becomes to, comes to know you, not only as Lord and Savior, but as friend and guide and support and strength. Father, I thank you that the latter will be former than the greater, that he is going to experience great things as he has this walk with you. Father, thank you as we step into this new week that you just bless each and every single person under the sound of my voice this morning. Father, would you be in the time of fellowship that we're about to go into? Would you be in the conversation today? Father, would you be in the prayers that are prayed and the laughter that is shared? And Holy Spirit, we thank you for you what you have done this morning. But I pray that you would just continue to speak to us in the coming days. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being your church and meeting together like this today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.